Hi guys, and welcome back to the You Don't Wanna Know podcast with me, Mag. Yeah. However many episodes in I am at this point, I still don't know how to do an introduction without feeling uncomfortable. I don't know if that will ever change, so here we are. I don't even know what episode this is. Guys, I'm done with substitute teaching and I'm exhausted. Woohoo! But now I have to find another job. So, um, yeah, that's super fun. I have another job, but I want to do the job that I currently have part time and then uh, find another part time job just because it's so much driving and I don't want to drive so much because I drive so much already. Uh, but it's okay. Life is fine. Everything is fine. Uh, yeah, it's great. I procrastinated, um, for about two hours. Yeah, two hours. Yeah, two hours, um, before I started recording. So living my best life. The definition is that past sentence. So yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Okay. So I did an episode and I guess I'm kind of jumping the gun on this. But it is another um, partner, like, abuse one. And it's not, like, physical abuse. Well, I guess technically it is. Um, I didn't do it on purpose. But maybe that's just, like, God telling me, hey, people need to hear this. So I'm sorry if this kind of, like, makes you um, triggered or whatever people say nowadays. I never remember, like, the logo that kids say. Um... But I'm sorry if this is something that makes you, like, have feelings. Um, But I just really feel that it's important to talk about this stuff because what happens is not okay, you know? And it needs to be more vocalized so people hear that it happens to more people. Or it's unfortunate, but it's not just them. It's a lot of people that have to go through these horrible things. And it's unfortunate, but you're not alone, you know? Okay, so that got really heavy for a second. I wasn't ready for that. I'm sorry. But yeah, that's where we are. Um, Guys, if you want to see stuff on the episode, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sorry. Uh, if you want to see like pictures or information on the case, you can go to uh, Facebook. Uh, you don't want to know. Or Instagram, YDWK Podcast. If you have case suggestions or stories, it's ydwkpodcast at gmail.com so send me stuff there please and thank you okay so guys i got to see spider-man across the multiverse or whatever that movie was called and it was probably my new favorite spider-man dude it was so great okay i loved it um i don't know if it was my favorite one actually just because the last one was so flipping good the live action if that's what it's considered I don't know um because I just love me a good old Spider-Man but I don't know I can't say it because I don't want to ruin it but like it was so flipping good they had it was okay I know what I'll say it had an a a component of the real life Spider-Man movie um No Way Home that I just absolutely adored (laughs) But it was so good. I love Miles Morales. I love um, Spider-Gwen is how I know her. I think she's actually called like Ghost Spider, but I'm sticking with Spider-Gwen because I think that's more fun. But that's just me. 
So I like highly recommend seeing this movie because it was so fun. I just love these Spider-Man movies and like it's cool because I can enjoy them being my age. And then like I could probably take my however old he is nephew who's like a little kid and he would enjoy it too because he's just as cool as me. Not the other way around. Don't get it wrong. Um, It's fine. So yeah, recommend it highly. Super fun. Definitely enjoyed it. Okay. Now, uh, and also update, I'm still scared from Evil Dead Rises. <laughs> okay, so now we are on the true crime calendar. We're on January 11th. So again, we're still a little behind, but that's fine. This is a part three um, of the bog bodies in Northern Europe. So this is a Kai Hassan boy, maybe? Sure, we'll go with it. The remains of a boy around the age of seven were found in a German peat cutter. Nope. Found by a German peat cutter in 1922 and delivered to the local natural history museum in a wheelbarrow. Not sure why that was pertinent, but okay. The boy was one of a few murdered, yeah, murdered children found in the bog. He was stabbed repeatedly in the throat between 500 and 100 BC. And a defensive wound was found on his arm. His arms and legs were bound likely to facilitate for the transportation of his body to the bog. X-rays show that he had an infection at the top of his femur and his tibia, suggesting that he may have suffered from malnutrition or disease that had an effect on his growth. Anthropologist Timmy, Timmy, (laughs) Timothy Taylor, Timmy Turner, (laughs) hypothesized that the body of this boy may have, excuse me, I'm reading the wrong line. Hypothesized that the boy may have served for a diviner as a diviner or a prophet, a common role for people with disabilities during the Iron Age. This is super fascinating. It was believed that people with disabilities held special powers, but the job could turn deadly if their predictions failed to materialize. Whoa. That's pretty crazy. All right, here we go. My favorite part. You're welcome. Very interesting. That was actually a really interesting, fun little fact at the end. Very sad that um, things kind of turn out that way. Very, very sad, but interesting that that's kind of where things led to. So we're just going to throw this in the garbage can that I don't have in this room. So it's fine. Okay, I'll pick it up. I promise. No littering. All right. On to the case. Let's get uncomfortable. I feel like I haven't said that in a while. So this case, um, it kind of just like popped up for me. It wasn't on my list and I normally kind of go off my list. I don't go like in an order, but I just kind of point to my list and be like, okay, that'll be good for this week. Um, but this one I just kind of found and it pulled me in. So I decided like, let's go with it, you know? And it, it started off like really short but then I found an article from the New York Times. So that's where like I basically got half of my information, if not more, because it was so good. Whoever wrote that just did an incredible job. So thank you. They um, have had so much information, so much information. So it's just a huge case and it's so important. I really do think this girl's story is incredible. Uh, her name is Jessica Boynton, and she is still alive. And, oh, this um, might be a two-parter. I don't know yet. I have a lot of information, 
but I've been writing kind of differently. I've been writing with more detail, so I don't know if like I'll just read it all really quickly and it'll be done or if it's going to take me an hour to get through half. So we'll find out. Join me on this journey. So Jessica Boynton was originally known as Jessica Lester. Jessica was this young girl and she was go or excuse me she lived in Atlanta Georgia she lived with her grandparents because her mother and father actually abandoned her when she was only three she the mother and father abandoned her two siblings and her I don't know what her brother's name was or is but her sister's name is Dusty and I think that is super fun so Jessica went to high school and she met this guy her sophomore year. Jessica was kind of quiet and reserved. She didn't, well, I guess she really tried not to stick out. It wasn't the fact that she didn't stick out because she's just a gorgeous woman. But she really tried to kind of like hide in the corners, I guess, because she didn't have that much money. Her grandparents had a didn't make that much money and then they took on the three kids, their grandkids, and they had a bit of a harder life. So... Jessica didn't have like fancy clothes or anything like that. She wore a lot of hand-me-downs and she just wasn't the outgoing type of person to just like stick out, you know, and I kind of feel that, you know, no one, I don't really want to be in the like, have to, what am I saying? I'm sorry, guys. I don't really want to be the person that has to entertain everyone constantly. Like I'll do that. (laughs) What am I saying? I literally am hosting a podcast right now. (laughs) Sorry. That was the dumbest thing I've ever said. Okay, maybe it's because I'm entertaining myself right now, but <laughs> I don't know where I am right now. Oh, that was so dumb. But okay, um, in public, when I'm face to face with people, there are times where I want to do this, but there are also times where I want to hibernate. <laughs> so that's where I get it. Okay, disregard. I'm not going to delete that because that's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, okay, back to it. Sorry, guys. That's just so stupid. Okay, we're good. It's fine. We are who we are. Okay, where was I? Um. Okay, so Jessica, she did her own thing. She liked taking pictures in nature. She was really cool. She met this guy her 10th grade year, so that's soft. Yeah, sophomore. And he was a junior. His name was Matthew. And Matthew was like a cool kid. He was a, I don't know if he was a jock, but he like hung out with the jocks and the cheerleaders, whatever stereotype. He wore like the fancy stuff. And his grandfather was chief of police, Weldon Beam. And for some reason, that name has haunted me. I don't know if in like a past life, I was searching for a Weldon Beam But ever since I heard that name, I feel like maybe I've heard this case before. I don't know. But Weldon Beam is just such a familiar name. I don't know if he's in other cases or if I just, it's a common name. I really don't know. But Weldon Beam can't stop. Okay. Can't stop, won't stop. So where was I at? Yes. So he was a cool kid, you know, wore name brand clothing, friends with jocks and cheerleaders. So when her friends pushed her to like start talking to him, she was like, ooh, I don't know, maybe... And they're like, oh, well, if you don't like him, you can break up with him. So she's like, you right, you right. So they started dating and she just couldn't believe it, which it's so like, don't think this way, guys. And I get why she was that way, because like I was that way, too. But she was like, I can't believe he's dating me. Like, 
it's like the girl who always had the glasses on and then she took off her glasses and she's like gorgeous or whatever those cheesy movies you can do whatever you want you can date who you are whoever you want okay but yeah that's how she felt because it was that day and age you know she was just so surprised that he was dating her because he was just so popular and it wasn't just like in high school it was around town too because his father was the chief of police and that actually kind of commanded some kind of respect or like power. And he just kind of craved that. And you can see this later on. It was kind of creepy, honestly. I didn't really like it. Um, so it's really unfortunate how things kind of started to unfold with their relationship. Matthew kind of started to cut Jessica off from her friends and family. He used the excuse for the family that they weren't blood because I don't think I said this. Yeah. Okay. So Jessica, her parents, so her, or her mom, she was adopted. So her mom was adopted by her grandparents that she lives with after her mom abandoned her. So it's a very, it's hard to follow. So Martha is the grandma's name. I didn't find the grandpa's name. Martha adopted Jessica's mom. Jessica's mom had Jessica and then she abandoned her three kids and she, Jessica went back to Martha. There we go. So Matthew used that excuse that they weren't technically blood to cut off her family saying like, why do you want to hang out with them? They're not your blood. And just saying like, your friends aren't very cool. Why do you want to hang out with your friends? It's like, hmm, maybe because they are my friends. Duh. But Matthew was just so popular. He was the son or the grandson of the chief police, um, or excuse me, the um, sheriff in the town. And he was just used to getting what he wanted and things going his way. So he felt like he had to kind of manipulate the situation. And that is exactly what he did. And Martha, Jessica's grandma, specifically said it was almost like he, or excuse me, she got her personality squished out of her because she was just kind of bending to Matthew's will. And this is so strange because this is really similar to what was happening with the last episode. They were in high school. He was super manipulative. But unfortunately, this goes far, unfortunately. So in 2013, Jessica is 16 and she got pregnant and he proposed that they move in together. Jessica went ahead and she told her family, she was like, okay, so I know that you guys are going to be disappointed in me because they're like a Baptist family. She's like, but I'm pregnant. And her family was actually super, super excited and ready for this new milestone in her life. And they're like, we're going to support you the entire way. This is awesome. We love you anyways. And she actually kind of like pulls away a little bit. She's like, no, I don't need your help. Matthew's going to help me. Matthew's family is going to do all this for me. Like, I don't really need you guys to step in or anything like that. And they were just like kind of hurt by that, which they have every right to be. But Again, Matthew is trying to put her in this situation so he can control everything. And she's young. She doesn't see that. So they get an apartment and the apartment is actually right across the street from where Matthew's grandpa is, Wendell. You know Wendell, right, guys? The one I just talked about? Yeah, great. Okay. So Matthew just kept saying, like, they're not blood. Why do you want to see them? just those kinds of things, making Jessica feel bad for wanting to see her family. And he actually made Jessica do online schooling. And he used the excuse like, 
oh, well, you're going to have the baby soon and you're going to have to take care of the baby. So you're going to have to do online schooling anyways. You can't leave the baby. So you might as well just start right away. So Jessica started doing online schooling and taking care of her kid eventually. But Matthew continued school like normal. So he got to see all of his friends. It was really like nothing happened. He got to do everything that he wanted pretty much or to a certain extent. But Jessica was still cut off. She spent so much time at home. He did, however, let them spend Christmas with Jessica's family. But again, he controlled everything. He only let them stay for an hour and they didn't even open presents together. Again, controlling the situation. Jessica and Matthew eventually graduate from high school. Huge accomplishment, especially like doing that online because online classes are not for the faint of heart, if you ask me, because I took two and I think I did all the work the last week of class. So it's it's okay. Um, so Jessica was, or her, excuse me, her family was super, super proud of her as they should be. And they threw her a surprise graduation party. But once again, Matthew only allowed them to stay for an hour. They had this huge party. It was really sweet. And they projected a movie on the side of a barn. And as soon as the movie started, he had them leave. But like I said, Jessica's young and she just finds this intense feeling of being wanted from Matthew that she's never felt before. And I can't imagine what it would feel like to be abandoned by her mom and dad at such a young age that she must just be seeking this feeling out from anyone that can give it to her. And Matthew has that. So she probably just dismisses all these things. And also a very common case or a very common thing that happens in these relationships is there's very high highs and very low lows. So he's probably making her feel really, really great. And then he does stuff like this to make her feel awful, but then he does stuff to make her feel really, really great. So this is, we're talking about it from the outside perspective. We don't get the full story. So just keep that in mind, especially also with like your friends. If God forbid you have friends in these situations, but you just have to love them the whole time. Love him the whole time. Always be there for him. Him. Weird. Um, always be there for them and don't let them be isolated because that's the goal of the abuser is to isolate and then kill them. Honestly, well, that's that's an, an extreme case, but hopefully it'll never get there. Okay. Wow. Heavy again. Let's go back. Once Matthew graduated, he got a job as a jailer, working his way up to be a cop, like his grandpa. That was kind of his goal. The people that worked with him said, I quote, he was ruthless and power hungry. Actually, no, that was not a quote. That was me. Sorry, guys. The the quote was fiercely loyal and unwilling to bend. Uh, His goal was to arrest like 10 people a day, one person said, and people asked him to like, ease up a bit like maybe don't be so intense and he did not so my quote (laughs) ruthless and power hungry that is from me i quoted that of me saying it so you heard it here first guys he was ruthless and power hungry sorry (laughs) at 19 he successfully became a cop and unfortunately things did not get better for their relationship he had so much control over her entire life He did not let her have a car. It's not that they didn't have money for a car. 
it's not even that they didn't have a car because he had two vehicles plus a squad car. He had a truck and a sedan and a squad car. When he left for work, he would take the keys. If he was in the squad car, he would take the keys. She didn't even have a credit card. He would take the keys for both vehicles. And if she needed something, she would text him. And then he would either get it for her or his grandparents would. So it was just an an insane situation. Absolutely insane. After a while, she really just started to feel trapped. And she started to realize, like, this is not okay. She was um, socializing with neighbors a little bit, but just she was not okay. So it's unfortunate, but eventually she did have an affair in 2014, December of 2014, and she became pregnant from it. Matthew was out of character when he, I don't think I said that right, he, when Jessica told him, he was very open and accepting of it, and he said that he would raise it as his own, which is very out of character for him. And he actually proposed uh, a marriage. He didn't like physically propose to her. And it was like a really quick wedding. But they got married. He was 20 and she was 19. And this was in 2016. Once again, it was just very out of character because he just likes to control and he would have been super mad, but he wasn't. Well, six months into their marriage, Matthew started having an affair with a 911 dispatcher, Courtney Calloway. Horrible 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 cheating is just not what you want to do her neighbor actually reported that jessica found out and told her and this lady is anonymous her name is out there but i won't say it because she wants to be anonymous um but like i said her neighbor reported that jessica told her and she was happy because she felt like she could get out now And it almost makes you wonder, was the affair that Jessica had her way of trying to get out of the situation? It's tough to say, but maybe. So Jessica decided to start making a log of everything Matthew was doing, especially when he was cheating. So she would say, like, he left for work. He took the kids from this time to this time. He's not with the kids from this time to this time. I'm not sure what he's doing from this time to this time. And I saw this um, article that said that she called it her dirty divorce diary. And I'm like, no, she probably didn't. You're probably just sexualizing it, but whatever. I think she did call it her divorce diary, but somebody just had to call it dirty to emphasize or something. So Jessica had started to make plans to kind of get away from him and move on with her life. And her sister, Dusty, said that she had made a plan on April 15th to move her boys into um, her sister's house and she already had a job lined up at a chiropractor's office. But unfortunately, she never got that far. So Matthew kept filling out domestic abuse complaints towards Jessica. A couple of them were just um, complaints against her for like yelling or swearing at him or something like that. And the cops would come. But once they got there, they saw Jessica and they're like, she seems pretty calm. I don't really know what this guy's talking about. So they advised her like, hey, just don't yell at him. Like, that's that's the best I can do. And she was obviously upset, but she just wasn't 
like yelling or crazy or anything like that that he was reporting. On April 14th, so she said she was going to leave on April 15th. On April 14th, 2016, he made another complaint. He said that he was in the shower on his phone, which like weird, but okay. Some people do that. Um, Jessica came in and took his phone and she said that she would not give it back until he admitted that he was cheating. And once he did, she started poking him in the chest, which he claimed as an assault, which some people do as well. So no judgment, I guess. At first, Jessica took the kids to her neighbor that she confided in, but eventually he um, came back to her or he got her and was like, hey, let's go to Walmart. I guess she was kind of trying to wean the baby, which she had two kids, Tyler and Tolan. She was trying to wean the baby off of formula. So, or excuse me, off of formula, off of breast milk using formula and they were almost out. So he's like, let's go to Walmart and get some formula for the baby. So she's like, okay, fine, whatever. So they pack up in the truck and head to Walmart. And there's footage of them in the baby aisle where it is very clear that they are getting into a fight. And Jessica gets really upset and she leaves. So Matthew, once again, makes another police report. And he says that she's left without him. And he will or she will not get back into the truck with him and go home. And the police literally say, she's a grown woman. You can't make her. It is her right to not get in there. Like, she's not your property. This is not how people work. It's just, it's insane. He's like a crying little boy. He's not able to control the situation. So he's calling who works at the police force. The name that I can't get out of my head. I don't want to say it, but you guys know, allegedly, like I just want to throw that really quick out there. Um, and he is crying, saying that he can't get his wife to bend to his will. And at this point, they can't help him because she is a living, breathing person. She's not like a doll. She's not going to do what he wants every single time. And he can't handle it. So later in footage, the police see that she did leave but she returns and leaves with him. So that's not true. He said that she would not leave with him. Eventually she comes back. I'm guessing she just had to walk away and cool down. So like good for her because a lot of people can't recognize when they're frustrated and walk away to cool down. But eventually they do leave together. But you can definitely tell that they were ha- they had a fight. So they get home. They put the groceries away. They put the kids to bed. And late at night, he decides that he wants to go for a late night snack at the Waffle House with a guy from work. So very interesting, but okay. He's an adult. Um, So he leaves Jessica and um, Jessica asks him to call an ambulance. And he's like, what? Why? And she just says, or he, um, Matthew reports that she's just really upset and she thinks, or he thinks that she's having like an anxiety attack or something. And he's just like can you tell me why you want me to call an ambulance and she just closes the door in his face so he's like all right i'll go to the waffle house which i guess i'm not going to judge that but okay we're just going to move on from that one um so he starts driving to the waffle house and once he gets there he gets these text messages from jessica saying i can't do this anymore take care of tolan and tyler tell them i love them every day I've been suffering every day. 
I've been suffering for a while now and no one has noticed. Here lately, I have not been able to recognize the person I see in the mirror. This is not the first time I've had suicide thoughts. I love you and the boys. So he gets those and he calls a 911 dispatcher um, really calmly. You can hear the call because it's 911. It's recorded. And he's just like, hey, are you on something that I don't remember? Like a thingy. I don't know. We're going to move on. Okay. So he's like, hey, are you sending out dispatches or something like that? And she, they're like, yeah. He's like, can you send someone to my house? It's my wife. I think she's having suicidal tendencies or something like that. And he's speaking the same way I'm speaking, guys. He's not like, someone needs to go to my house right now. My wife's in trouble. She's talking about suicide. You need to hurry up. He's like, hey, can someone go over to my wife? He's honestly speaking like very calm, like he would if it was him on the job going to this random call. You're like, oh, I can, uh, I got to go to this house. There's like a welfare check that I got to do really quick. That's what it sounds like. That is literally what it sounds like. If this was your wife, if this was someone you knew, if this was someone you cared about even a little bit, you would have some kind of urgency in your voice. I don't know. That just really bothered me. But he heads home. He gets there. And as he's going inside, he hears two gunshots. So he runs in to where he knows he keeps his service gun and the door is locked. And he grabs his radio and tell, uh, runs out. And he tells dispatch what happened. No, guys. Um, I don't know if you guys realize this. I don't think he realized this, but he heard two gunshots. He has two kids. He ran inside, tried to get to his gun, couldn't get to his gun, grabbed his radio and ran outside. <sighs> that triggers me. It's like, check on your kids, guy. The lives you made. And yes, one of them isn't his, but he said he was going to raise that baby. And even if it's not your kid, that is still a human life. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. Move on from that because not everyone's the same. Not everyone thinks that way. So he never goes back into the apartment. He hears the two gunshots. He grabs his, or he tries to get to the gun. Can't get to it. Grabs his walkie talkie, runs out. And he calls dispatch saying he heard two gunshots, get here quickly, all this stuff. So police get there and they kind of describe Matthew as like being annoying and trying to be a part of it and get up all in their business and find Jessica. But the police are like, you need to just stay out here. So the police go into the apartment, guns drawn, and they look for what's going on. They start to uh, sweep the house and thank God they find the baby who's just, um, He's awake and he's upset, but he's okay. And then the older boy, he is sound asleep and he's fine. So the boys are a-okay. But then they find the locked door and they break it down. That's when they find Jessica laying in this closet, this small closet. It's just like a normal hallway closet. It's not very big. And they see her. She's lying face down and her hair has blood all over it, just soaked and so they pull her out and they find a gun under her head and the pillow is just her where her head was is just completely soaked her hair was blonde it is covered in so much blood that it doesn't look blonde anymore and it's so matted from the blood so they pull her out and they get someone a paramedic to come in and try and save her 
Now, the gun under her was Matthew's service weapon. So, the paramedic pulls her out and they're looking for the bullet, the entry wound of the bullet. And her hair is just so mad and so horrible that they can't find anything. And they specifically say um, they can't find it, but they know for certain it was a forty caliber to the head. That's all we know. No exit wound. So, they get her to the hospital and um matthew is just freaking out outside and he said he's like crying he's showing emotion he's like she told me she loved me before she did it and um he's like if i if i came 10 minutes earlier i could have jumped in front of the gun he's just crying and showing showing so much emotion matthew never entered his apartment though to check on his kids i just want to remind you that he heard two gunshots never entered his apartment to check on his kids so there's footage of the officers taking care of the two boys while Jessica's being handled or not handled, but being taken care of. So Jessica's really good friend that she confided in, the neighbor, um, she sees all the lights and she comes out and she just goes, it's Jessica, isn't it? And her friend said that Jessica would never do this. Absolutely not. She knew it was Jessica, but she didn't think that Jessica would do, like, hurt herself. She wouldn't believe that for a second. So, police start looking at the scene to see if there's any clues as to what happened. They find one shell and two bullet holes in the wall. So, two gunshots, two bullet holes that, that jives, you know. But this is weird. One bullet hole was found towards the top left of the closet. So, and the second one was found in the back wall of the closet, one foot off the ground. So, they surmised that she was walking, she walked into the closet, closed the door behind her, and she was facing the wall. The door was to her back when she supposedly shot herself. So, she was facing the back wall. As for the second hole, they kind of figured maybe it went off when she was kind of falling, I guess. But here's the thing, guys. There was no blood on the wall. So that doesn't make sense. There should be blood, some kind of splatter, like anything. But there was only blood on the pillow. In the closet, in full view, was Jessica's divorce diary with a few pages ripped out. So that was another weird thing. And normally with divorce diaries, or not divorce diaries specifically, but like with those kind of things, you would want to hide them. So the only exception I can think to make for that was that it could be like her suicide note was showing that I know he's cheating on me. So this is why I'm this is why I'm doing it. It's because of this notebook right here. So that's the only exception that I can think of for this. So who comes to the scene? It's none other than Sheriff Wendell Beam, the man that I cannot get there flipping name out of my head i don't know it's so weird but wendell excuse me oh my gosh guys i didn't realize i didn't say this jessica has a pulse wow that was huge news i'm so sorry jessica's still alive she has a strong pulse that's why she's sent to the hospital i am so sorry wow okay jeez but sheriff wendell beam contacts her grandparents and tells them that she passes away Wow, that was really weird. I don't know why I didn't say that. Sorry, I'm so sorry. So, no one really knows why he does this. Martha 
Jessica's grandma says, no, that doesn't ring right. Specifically, no, that doesn't ring right. Jessica would not touch a gun. She did not want to have anything to do with guns. And that's a quote from her grandmother. Her grandmother actually offered to take her and her siblings to a target shooting, but she refused to even touch a gun. So it was just really, really, really weird. So once again, Sheriff Wendell Beam contacted her grandparents and told her that she was dead. Jessica was not dead. She was alive. She was on her way to the hospital. And eventually she was actually helicoptered to a different hospital. So Martha told Jessica's sister, Dusty, who got up from and drove to Jessica Jessica's apartment with oh wow, sorry. Jessica's apartment with her husband. And Matthew's grandparents or grandpa was on the scene and that's who Dusty talked to. And um where am I going? Okay. They said that they took Jessica to Atlanta Medical Center uh, via a helicopter and wouldn't say why he said that she died or if Matthew shot her because that was a question that Dusty had. And I mean, honestly, it makes sense. Like, yeah, you wouldn't want to say why or if that actually happened because it's an ongoing investigation. But Dusty knew, she knew for a fact that her sister would never hurt herself. One, because she loved her kids so, so, so much. And two, because she would never want to put that on another person the way she grew up, feeling abandoned. She would never do that to her kids. So her sister knew that was not possible. So Jessica was taken to the ER. She got there and they actually shaved her head because they could not find the bullet wounds. Once they shaved her head... They found out there was no bullet wound. She didn't shoot herself. There was no bullet that entered her body. She had a massive head trauma on the top of her head, but there was no bullet wound. It was a severe trauma. That's where the bleeding was coming from. So her friend goes to the police, her neighbor, and she makes, she wants to go anonymously to make a statement Um, she said that Jessica found out that Matthew was cheating and that she was documenting every single thing that he was doing. And Jessica, and they asked like, oh, how do you know? And she said that Jessica got into Matthew's Facebook and went to his messages and printed them all out. And she saw that the 911 dispatcher, Courtney, was having an affair with him. And it was the 911 dispatcher in his department. She also said that Jessica would never commit suicide she was never suicidal jessica think or she said sorry she also thinks that um jessica confronted matthew with this evidence and then he attacked her and the officer just goes like whoa that's some bold accusations and i'm thinking like wow this is a really weird way to conduct an interview but whatever she said that matthew must have sent those texts from jessica's phone to his story or to to his phone to complete his story and the police officers were once again saying like that's some pretty bold accusations she was in the interview for eight minutes and then they left and the police never returned so i'm thinking like what the heck is happening why would that happen and then i realize matthew is a police officer his grandpa is the sheriff And that is all I'm going to say on that. 
very interesting, if I do say so myself. So Matthew was taken into the station to give his statement on what happened. And he just goes, I'm sure you've heard I'm getting a divorce. And he admits that of having a friend that was a girl. Because the police officer specifically says, you got a girlfriend? And he's like, well, I have a friend that was a girl. I mean, that is a girl. So his tune seems like it's changing a little bit. Because first, he was very monotone and calm when he first called it in. Then when he got there, he was crying, saying he could have saved her, that he loved her. And now he's saying, well, I'm sure you guys heard where, but we were getting a divorce. And I don't even know if that's true, if they were getting a divorce. But that's what he said. So the interviewer presses him a little bit and asks if he had done anything with a girl. And he said that recently, only a couple of weeks that he's been doing stuff with him, with the girl. But then he says that she was cheating too, but he still loves her, basically. He also says that Tyler wasn't really his and that it was the mechanics and allegedly that they uh, were like separated when it all happened. So it's it's really blurry and confusing about that. So I won't really get into it. Um, but Jessica, he said that when Jessica told him that Tyler wasn't his, he was afraid that she was going to kill Matthew himself, that Jessica was going to kill Matthew and then kill herself. But that makes no sense to me. I don't understand that. He said that in an interrogation room. He said, when she told me I was scared she was going to kill me and then kill herself. I don't know why he would say that. If you understand that, there's a few things that don't make sense. If you understand anything that doesn't make sense, I would love to hear that. Like, send me an email, but whatever. It. He also says that he was worried that it was an active scenario and that's why he didn't get in because he or didn't go back in because he didn't want to get shot. So that's something you want to hear from a police officer, honestly. Yeah. Okay. I remember one time I was learning about like that kind of stuff um, at a job where they were like saying, if you hear shooting, a lot of people run away and that's okay. Just run away from the situation. I'm a police officer. I'm going to run towards it. Not Matthew. That's not his tactic. He runs away too. So no help from him. So then the police officer asks if those are the clothes that he was wearing. And he's like, yeah, these are the clothes I'm wearing. I didn't, I didn't change. I didn't wash my hands or anything. Don't worry. But I didn't bring a change of clothes. He says that he actually doubles down on that saying, I didn't bring a change of clothes. And he's like, I didn't wash my hands though. And the way I took it was, you can have my clothes, but I don't have a change of clothes. So maybe you shouldn't take my clothes. So that was kind of weird. That was basically his entire interview. After his wife was hurt by mysterious circumstances. That was his interview. Not even really like an interrogation. That was it. That's all I got. Doesn't seem right to me. And guys, this is going to be a two-parter, just so you know. Okay, so the Georgia Bureau of Investigation took the investigation over because... Matthew and his grandpa would be on the case if the um, jurisdiction allowed them to take it. And that's conflict of interest. So they did one thing right. They turned that over. But, because there's always a but, Matthew's grandpa had a lot of friends on the bureau. I'm just going to throw that out there quick because he was the sheriff. So at this point, the only person with the real answers is Jessica. And unfortunately, 
Jessica is in a coma. So once everything kind of settles down, the dust kind of settles, Matthew moves in with Courtney. Courtney Coleman, I believe was her last name. She's the one that he was cheating on his wife with. The one that he was very calm about and then horribly upset about, then very willing to admit that they were going to get a divorce. He moves in with Jessica, or excuse me, Courtney, after Jessica is in a coma. In a freaking coma. He moves out. Whatever. Okay. So he only visits Jessica once and he brings his grandpa to make sure he had a witness in case there were any allegations made against him during that time. Now, Matthew was put on administrative leave, but for a very, 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 very short amount of time. They literally said that they were going to expedite it because the sh- the officer needed his, or the sheriff, I think, or the chief needed his officer back specifically. It was unheard of how short the amount of time was, honestly. But three weeks later, Jessica wakes up. Amazing, right? And the last thing she remembers is being in the closet. And then she's in the hospital. So being in the closet, being in the hospital, she can't remember anything else. And I feel like this is how it always goes. But this is just kind of it, you know, like you go through a very traumatic event or have a head trauma, you have memory loss. One thing she knows for certain, though, is that she didn't kill herself. She actually thinks, so they tell her, she's like, why am I in the hospital? And she's like, you've been in an accident. And she's like, she says, like a car crash. And then they explain like, no, this is what happened. And she's like, I would never, I would never kill myself. I have never felt that way ever. Not once in my life. So she denies and denies and denies that she would ever do that. And she thinks that somebody attacked her and she doesn't know who she doesn't know for what purpose she really doesn't think that Matthew really did it she says she he could have done it but he wouldn't have done it on purpose and this is probably and I don't want to say this for sure but I could see it being like the brainwash thing where Matthew isolated her and controlled her surroundings and she got brainwashed because he was all that she ever really saw. But she is adamant she did not kill herself. So three weeks later, like I said, Jessica wakes up. And that's where I'm going to leave you guys for part one. Because this is a long case. So um, I will release it right away as soon as I get it done. Um, with, But there's probably going to be a little bit more research that I want to do. So stay tuned, guys. Um, I will get it to you probably by Monday because I do have a lot of things I have to get done so sorry um but stick around find out what happens because this is a very intense case and it's honestly it's awesome Jessica survives I think it's a good case and it's very interesting and it needs to be said so please come back for part two next week um if you understand what Matthew's thought process was please email me at ydwkpodcast at gmail.com if you want to see pictures on the case it is you don't want to know on facebook or ydwkpodcast on instagram but thank you so much for listening and have a great day bye-bye
Hi, best friend. Hi. Oh my God, are you okay? Yeah, just having to do this promo that you're making me do, but it's okay. Yeah, same. I have to do it too. <laughs> Hi, best friend. Hi, best friend. I'm Kelly. I'm Kelsey. And our podcast is Good Luck Everyone Else. Someone told us seven years ago that we were funny enough to start a podcast, so here we are, finally getting around to it. We don't know what we'll say or what we'll get into, but we can say we release every Friday. So hang out with us then. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Good luck. Good luck.